What is up, ladies and gentlemen? How are you doing? How are you living? Austin Cunningham here. Just going solo today. No Justin Treese. He's picked up the last couple episodes on going solo, so I'll make up for it this week. Uh, we're going to go ahead and break down just a little bit of the bets that we made last week in terms of the spread. We're going to preview this next upcoming week, and then Treese has some fantasy tips that he wanted me to share with you guys, and then some DFS lineups that he is expecting to be a big hit this next week. And he's using terms that I'm not real familiar with, but he burned me with it on a comeback, and that's just what he's best at. And we'll get into that as the show goes on. But let's go ahead and start with these last week bets in week three. Uh, it was pretty close, and we're now sitting at – Treese has a one-point lead um, in terms of the overall season spreads. He's 26-22, and 22 and I'm 25-23. and 23. And in the player prop bets, I got way too excited with the over. I should have known better for the Sunday night game with the 49ers running backs. They've just been too banged up. I don't know why I put so much optimism in it, but I did, and this is just where we're at right now. But Treese is now sitting at 12-6 and six as I sit at 11-7 and seven on the player prop bets. Uh, what I want to get into most, though, with the, the bets that we made in week three are the ones that surprised us the most. And I think I want to start off with that first game we saw, or one of the first games we saw on Sunday between the Washington football team and the Buffalo Bills. Um, I did end up picking the Bills to cover the spread at 7.5, but I wasn't expecting that game to turn into the blowout that it did. And I think looking at Josh Allen this season, it's really interesting to see um, how much more consistent he's been from week two to week three in People might say, well, it's only been three weeks, Austin. What the hell do you mean by that? And it's just that week one did not look like the Josh Allen that we saw last season who led the Buffalo Bills to the AFC Championship game. He comes in week one. It's a tough loss against these, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then he comes in here against Buffalo and the Miami Dolphins the week prior and just completely tears them apart. And now we're looking at Washington going, hey, is this defense really as good as what we thought it was and hyped up? all offseason leading into this year. And another one of the games that I wanted to get into that was so surprising was the Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders pick up another win in overtime, but they don't cover the spread. Treese and I both picked them. The spread was four. Uh, we definitely thought Vegas would take care of business and handle it, especially after what Buffalo did the week prior, winning 35-0. to But Jacoby Brissett comes in for the Miami Dolphins helps take care of business, and keeps it a close game. And Therese is actually expecting uh, Mike Gusecki to kind of go off in terms of fantasy this next week moving forward because Jacoby Brissett is known to target the tight ends. It's something that he did a lot in Indianapolis, and Therese is expecting that same thing to happen in Miami. So Mike Gusecki, the tight end for the Miami Dolphins, Go ahead and pick him up on Fantasy, or if you already have him, keep him in that starting role because, like I just said, Treese is expecting him to take off in terms of targets and receptions, and then his overall production is just going to be going through the roof. So if you're also building your DFS lines, be sure to keep him in mind moving forward. But the reason I bring up those two teams is because with Buffalo – they completely destroyed Miami, like I said, 35-0, to and then they come up against Washington, and they take care of business too. So now my question is, has Buffalo just got everything figured out right now? Like between, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, uh, Zach Moss at running back, and Josh Allen just has everything working. I mean, even with Cole Beasley underneath, he's getting everyone involved. Dawson Knox, too. I don't want to leave anybody out for this Buffalo Bills defense or offense, excuse me, because 
everything is clicking right now, and you love to see it if you're a Bills fan moving forward. Um, and Stephon Diggs, that's another name I want to mention on my own. His target share is looking very, very similar to what it looked like last year through the first three weeks of the season. So just know that if you've been kind of down or you're not – you're kind of worried that, like, eh, dude, like, is Stephon Diggs really that valuable? Like, kind of where are we at? It seems like it might be a little bit of a slow start. If people are offering him in a trade, go get him. Add him on your DFS lines because this is a guy who is going to just continue to to build upon, like, week after week after week and just continue to be that dude for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills moving forward. Uh, another game that I wanted to get into that I thought was real surprising uh, in terms of the bets on the overall spreads that Treese and I did last week for week three uh, was the Seahawks and Vikings game. And Seattle was favored by a point and a half in Minnesota. Now, the thing that just surprised me the most was just how quickly, I shouldn't even say quickly, just how well the Vikings took care of business against the Seattle Seahawks. And the reason I said I shouldn't say quickly is because the first half was all Seattle. I believe they had three or four drives, and they scored on the three of them to get the 17 points. So the touchdown, field goal, touchdown. And uh, the Vikings that were able, I think they only scored, uh, excuse me, they scored the 21 points right before halftime in the second quarter. So the first quarter, all Seattle. And then the second quarter, Seattle kind of – they were able to score one more time. And then the Vikings were able to get all 21 points right then and there. And so we're looking at this game like, okay, hey, we got ourselves a ball game. Let's go into the second half. And then Seattle just completely fell off a cliff. It's like they're just rolling along. And their car – the brakes go out. They're driving on the mountain. There you go. You hate to see it if you're Seattle. And now you're really looking at this team going, man, the first half, they're fine. The second half, they completely fall apart because we saw it against the Vikings and we saw it a week prior against the Tennessee Titans when Derrick Henry went off for like 183 yards total and just completely tore them apart in the second half. So moving forward, looking at Seattle, it's going to be hard to bet on them or see any excitement. I shouldn't say excitement, but just kind of like how well can this team put together a complete game? And I think the same thing could go to the Detroit Lions, who had a close game um, against the Baltimore Ravens. That was another game where Teresa and I both picked Baltimore, who was favored by eight. And I honestly, I felt like I knew better making uh, the pick that I did, the decision of choosing Baltimore to win that game by eight points, especially after I've been hyping up Detroit in a way of, hey, they just haven't been able to put together a complete game. We've seen them put together a quarter. We've seen them put together two quarters. We saw them put up three quarters against, uh, two quarters against Green Bay, and I was like, maybe they put together three quarters here against Baltimore. They pretty much put together about three and a half, and that just ends up with a 66-yard field goal that was made by Justin Tucker to set the NFL record as the longest field goal. And they go home winners, and Detroit once again goes home losers and now sit at zero and three. But now that we've gone over all of week three, let's go ahead and move forward here into week four, and we'll get started with Teresa's Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Cincinnati to face the Bengals, where Cincinnati is favored by seven and a half. Uh, before I get into all of this, though, we do have some differences. Like I mentioned at the start of the show, Treese is currently leading me in the overall season spread by one. I have 25 wins. He has 26. So heading into this week with the eight differences, this really gives me an opportunity to kind of get that lead and keep it. So that's hopefully the plan here. Moving forward, like I said, Jacksonville Bengals. Therese is actually going to take Jacksonville with Cincinnati getting a seven and a half point spread. And I'm sure that's just because that spread is way too big. I don't believe 
Patrice likes those big spreads. I shouldn't say I don't believe. I, I feel like I know that because it's something we always talk about. It's like when you see a spread that big, it's kind of iffy. Um, and we'll see a couple of those this week moving forward along the episode. But I'm actually going to take Cincinnati. I think this is a team whose offense is, has everything clicking, and Jacksonville just lost C.J. Henderson. I know Treese might come back and say, well, hey, C.J. Henderson hasn't really been that much of a value to this defense, and there's another guy that's behind him who's been playing better. Now it's going to be his time to shine, and C.J. Henderson just needed a fresh start elsewhere in Carolina, so hopefully he gets that. But I'm a believer of the Cincinnati Bengals offense. I like Joe Burrow. I like the weapons that are there. Now, I don't know if necessarily Jamar Chase has another big game, but there's plenty of other guys on that team that could. And with Jacksonville, I just I don't know if they can put everything together to win a football game or even keep it close right now. I know they did at the first half against Arizona, but I think it was somewhat of a fluke with a kick six, and you're not going to get that every week, if ever again. So just kind of take it while you can. Jacksonville, I'm sorry to do this to you, but I'm going to take Cincinnati right now for uh, week one here at the seven and a half point spread. Next, let's move into Washington traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons, where Washington is actually favored by one and a half. There's no need to spend a lot of time on this game. The Falcons, they stink right now, okay? They have the weapons. They have a quarterback in Matt Ryan and a defense that just I don't like I guess they want to they show up to play but they don't ever make a difference and the offense just can't get anything rolling maybe this is the week that they kind of do that but I also believe this is the week that we see that Washington defense take a step up and be what we thought they were this offseason moving forward so like I said Washington on a spread at one and a half Trees and I are both taking the Washington football team the next matchup the Houston Texans are traveling to Buffalo to face the Bills where Buffalo is favored by a whopping 16 points. 16 points, that's what the Buffalo Bills are favored by. Uh, That is absolutely insane. I don't think I've seen a spread that big in a while. So I'm just not going to be a big believer of that, and that's not anything against the Buffalo Bills. If they end up winning this game by plus 16, holy smokes, Houston's got some stuff to figure out, which we already know, but it also goes to show how many points the Buffalo Bills can put on the scoreboard, and that's going to be very impressive if they can do so. But Davis Mills gets a second start. We'll see what they can continue to build on, uh, build upon as the year goes on. But Teresa and I, we're both taking Houston. We're just, we're too scared of that 16-point spread because that is absolutely ridiculous. Let's move into the next game, the Detroit Lions traveling to Chicago to face the Bears, who are favored by three. And surprisingly, Teresa is going to take the Chicago Bears, who are favored by three and at home. I'm assuming it's because it's against Detroit, whose defense is kind of beat up. Uh, they just released one of their linebackers, Jamie Collins. He is no longer with the organization. I believe he's still roaming around as a free agent. Um, so we'll figure out more news on that as the, as the next couple weeks go on. But Tree's taking Chicago. I'm kind of surprised by it just because, like I said at the start here, Detroit has been able to kind of build upon uh, their game plan week by week and look better each game in Chicago has been kind of stagnant. Their defense is getting a little older. We're not seeing them really get a lot of pressure. Khalil Mack is dealing with the injury himself. And so I'm just, I'm kind of worried overall. And I'm saying all that, and I haven't even discussed the offense yet because what they did last week against the Cleveland Browns is just absolutely embarrassing. For you to run in at at a football game, it doesn't even matter where it's at, home or away, and your offense gets less than 50 combined yards of total offense, that's ridiculous. Like, that's so embarrassing. I don't know how Matt Nagy can go home, look himself in the mirror, and go, we're going to be better than that. 
You better hope you can be because I also don't know how anyone else in the organization can look at Matt Nagy and say, you're a coach moving forward, man. We still believe in you. We traded up in this draft to get Justin Fields, our quarterback of the future, after we messed up with Mitchell Trubisky. And then Mitchell Trubisky gets like one passing yard. He has 12 passing yards, excuse me, but is sacked in like nine times and has an outrageous amount of quarterback hits. It's ridiculous. I feel bad for the guy. And I know you're playing the Cleveland Browns, but like, my God, you can't get one guy open in the flat and just let him go from there in Chicago. It's ridiculous. And I'm not blame, I'm not putting any blame on Justin Fields. You're a rookie. Your coach is supposed to put you in a situation to succeed. And he didn't do that at all whatsoever. You you can't even get him out of the pocket. That's what I don't get. I, I don't know what happened with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears, but it's not good. And so I'm not believing in him this week, no matter who they're playing, especially the Detroit Lions, whose offense is kind of starting to get things figured out. Jared Goff is looking a little bit more comfortable. That defense is starting to look a little bit more aggressive. And they lost to the Baltimore Ravens by a 66-yard field goal. They're going to be fine, no matter where this game's at. I'm taking the Lions... Chicago's favored by three. I don't care. Next up, the Carolina Panthers traveling to Dallas to face the Cowboys, where the boys in blue down in Texas are favored by four and a half. Treese is taking the Dallas Cowboys. Here's another one of our differences. Back to back on them. Um, Treese is taking Dallas, and I am going to take Carolina. I like Dallas at four and a half. I'm believing in it, but this is also me just being the one guy that's going to be a true believer of the Carolina Panthers like we have been. All offseason leading into this year, but it seems like every opportunity that Justin Treese gets to uh, to back the Carolina Panthers, he doesn't do it. So I'm I'm just kind of confused on who's this guy really believing? Does he, he at one point he was saying they're going to win the division? He can't even pick them to beat the the Dallas Cowboys. And I get it to an extent. The Dallas Cowboys offense looks great, and this defense for Carolina they haven't really faced any tough offense. So like I said, I get it, but. I also believe that the Carolina Panthers are ready for this matchup. And the addition of C.J. Henderson, definitely not expecting him to play this week. I don't even know if that's possible, to be completely honest with you. But this is going to be a fun game. This is a game that I'm going to keep an eye on. So like I said, the Cowboys are favored by four and a half. Treese is taking the Cowboys, and I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers with it being in Dallas. So even if Dallas wins, I'm expecting Carolina to at least cover and keep this a close game. I believe it's going to be a fun one. That's at least the hope, like I said. Next up, the Indianapolis Colts are facing the Miami Dolphins. Miami's only favored by two. We both chose Indianapolis in this game, but now I'm getting a little worried. Mainly due to the fact that Carson Wentz, oh, two sprained ankles. It's like two chains, but two sprained. I stole that from my buddy Dylan Duffy, so I can't take credit for that. But it's hilarious. So if you guys see Carson Wentz and anyone talks about him, just go ahead and toss out the little two sprain. It's an enjoyable thing to do. Have some fun if you're not in life, okay? So like I said, Indianapolis Colts traveling to Miami, favored by two. I don't know how much insight to give to this game just due to the fact that we don't really know who either of these teams are yet, especially with Carson Wentz being injured. The defense for Indianapolis hasn't looked that good. Neither has the offensive line for the Colts. Like That's just been an awful situation no matter who's there. Even with Quentin Nelson and Eric Fisher being there, it still looks bad. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward, but, man, they need to get it figured out. In Miami, hey, you kept it close with the Las Vegas Raiders this last week. Took it to overtime. Only lost by a field goal. Maybe you're just building on something, and we, we haven't recognized it yet. So maybe after this week, we got to put a little bit more respect on the Miami Dolphins and Jacoby Brissett as the starting quarterback, even though when he took over that first week for two getting injured, they got smoked 35 to nothing by the Buffalo Bills. Let's move on, though, to this next game. The Cleveland Browns are going to uh, Minnesota to face the Vikings. Cleveland's only favored by two. 
talking to Trees before I press record on the episode, and he thinks that this game is going to be a sneaky shootout. And I, honestly, I kind of agree with him because these offenses are very similar. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach for the Cleveland Browns, came from Minnesota with Mike Zimmer, so we understand the relationship that's there. They want to run the similar offense, the similar game plan. It's a similarly built kind of team too, but we just know that Cleveland clearly has uh, better talent on the defensive side of the ball. As Kareem Hunt uh, – I, I know I just said defensively, but let's head to the offense for the Cleveland Browns because Kareem Hunt went off last week, but that doesn't mean he is going to back-to-back weeks. And for the Minnesota Vikings to pick up a big of a win as they did last week against Seattle without Dalvin Cook playing, I think just goes to show how dangerous this team can be at times because they almost beat the Arizona Cardinals too the week prior. Their, their field goal kicker just missed it right. I mean, if he, if he learns how to kick a field goal in the NFL to win football games, which I would surely hope at some point, by now, he's had that figured out. He's still learning. It's a learning process. I understand. I can't kick a field goal, so I'm not going to be the one to judge him. But like, you're very close to being like 2-1 and one on the season. That's something to be excited about. So, actually, it might be 3-0. Let me look at the schedule before I get a little too a little too antsy with it. I don't want to be getting crazy. You know what I mean? With the Minnesota Vikings, let's go ahead and check that schedule. I don't have it pulled up, so let's forget about that. But like I said, Treese mentioned that this could be a sneaky shootout, and I agree with it. It's going to be a fun one, um, especially with with Cleveland being favored by two in Minnesota. Treese is taking Cleveland. I'm taking the Vikings. Like I've been mentioned through this whole spiel here of me getting confused on what the record is and what it's not. The Vikings have been in their football games, and they've been fun to watch. Even without Dalvin Cook there, there's a possibility he plays this next week. And if he does, then it goes to show that, hey, the Minnesota Vikings have a running back by committee similar to what the Cleveland Browns have. But if Dalvin Cook can stay healthy and then you can go a 1-2 with Mattinson as well, that's going to be fun to watch. And then Kirk Cousins and uh, Baker Mayfield, Baker has a stronger arm, we know that, but they're asked to do the exact same thing, and they're pretty similar in who they are um, as quarterbacks. No matter what you think as terms of athletic abilities, they're asked to do similar things for their offenses. So this is going to be a fun one. I'm taking the Vikings to cover. They're at home. It's a great home atmosphere. So going with the Vikings next up, the Giants traveling to New Orleans. New Orleans is favored by 7.5 against the New York Giants, and the Giants are dead. They're absolutely worthless right now. I don't care if Kenny Galladay's playing. I don't care if Saquon Barkley's playing. It doesn't freaking matter right now because the New Orleans Saints with Jameis Winston, we don't know what Jameis we're going to get this week, but we know he's just going to be absolutely hilarious whether he's trying to or not. I can't wait to see what the pregame speech is this week, especially being at home. Uh, we all know he's got his teammates' backs. We all know he's leaning down to get in their eyes, and they're going to go get a victory here at home facing the Giants. Next up, the Tennessee Titans are facing the New York Jets. Tennessee is favored by seven on the road. I don't know if I've ever seen a road or team be have that be that much in favor traveling to another team's field. Like that's insane, honestly, now that I'm realizing it. But we're both picking Tennessee. The Jets have nothing to offer. There's a rookie head coach, there's a rookie offensive coordinator, and a rookie starting quarterback, and just nothing looks good. Nothing's working. The offense looks completely just horrendous at this point. Let's take Tennessee and just move on with it. Next up, the Kansas City Chiefs are facing the Philadelphia Eagles. Kansas City is favored by seven in this game. Treese has taken Philadelphia. I'm taking the Chiefs, and I'll be completely honest with you. This is a homer pick. This is me being 100% biased, but I also believe it because Kansas City is going on the road to face Philadelphia. Guess who was in Philadelphia about maybe 
10 years ago around this time. That's right. You guessed it. Andy Reid. Okay. He's about to pick up win 100. He's got 99 wins right now as the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. If he gets a win in Philadelphia, that is win number 100. And it just makes way too much sense for Kansas City after the way they've looked the last couple weeks. I mean, you start that game against the Los Angeles Chargers, and four out of your last five drives have ended in a freaking turnover. Going back to the start of the Chargers game, to that last series against the Baltimore Ravens. That is not good. But it also goes to show that Kansas City has still been in these games, even turning the ball over that amount giving no no disrespect to the Los Angeles Chargers. They won that game in Kansas City. You got to give credit due where it is. So congrats to them. But Kansas City also knows that they've been beating themselves the last couple of weeks and that they're better than this. All of us know that. And so after that game against the Los Angeles Chargers, Andy Reid ended up going to the hospital. He left the stadium in an ambulance. I don't know how severe it was, but he ended up staying the night. Now he's coming back. He says he's completely healthy after press uh uh, meeting with the media today, uh, this past afternoon on Wednesday when I'm recording, probably Thursday for you guys listening. Um, and so it's one of those deals where I look at it as, okay, the team goes, we've lost back-to-back games, we're one and two, our coach just went to the hospital, we're going to Philadelphia where he just came from for the opportunity for him to pick up win 100 and we're favored by seven on the road. I know I just talked about Tennessee having being favored by seven on the road. Well, the Chiefs are too back-to-back. Look at that. It's freaking amazing. But I'm taking the Chiefs. It just mean, There's too much meaning to this game for the Chiefs to have this be a close game. I don't care that the Eagles, you know, it looked good at the start until they played Dallas and everything fell apart. The Kansas City defense is ready to wake up. The Kansas City offense is ready to wake up. And I don't know that Philadelphia has the firepower to hang in with the Chiefs <clears throat> for an entire length of a game. So that's enough on that. I don't want to be a homer for too long. But let's go ahead and get into this next matchup of the Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are favored by four and a half at home. Treese has taken the Rams. I'm actually going to take Arizona. It's a little bit of a crazy pick, but I also think that, hey, Arizona has things firing on all cylinders right now. They got their running backs involved. We've seen DeAndre Hopkins have big weeks. We've seen Kirk or Christian Kirk excuse me, show out a little bit. And then A.J. Green had a very, very quiet, impressive week three with the Cardinals. He had like double-digit receptions. He had over 100 yards receiving. The dude looked to be back and that's what you love to see if you're a Cardinals fan, and it's what you love to see if you're Kyler, too, because he's playing consistent, and he has more guys to spread the ball around, too, instead of just having to feel like, okay, there's trouble, there's pressure, I need to absolutely force-feed this um, to DeAndre Hopkins. So for him to have the ability to spread it around, that's going to be nice, especially against the Rams here, where they their secondary has been good, and they have one hell of a pass rush as well. Yes, Rams offense, it's going to be a fun matchup to see what they do to this defense of the Arizona Cardinals. I feel like this is going to be a really, really good matchup. And with the Rams being favored by four and a half, I completely understand Trees taking them uh, in terms of the spread. But I'm going to get a little risky. I'm going to be a little frisky. And I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. Let's move on to this next NFC West matchup. The Seattle Seahawks trialing to San Francisco to face the 49ers who are favored by two and a half. And I completely get it. I said it earlier in the show. The Seattle Seahawks are not a second-half football team. The 49ers have not looked bad, but George Kittle has been missing practice. I don't know if he's banged up. We've seen Debo Samuel. Got, he was slowed down by the Green Bay Packers. Did the Packers give the Seahawks a blueprint on how to slow down the offense just enough to win a football game? That might sound a little crazy because Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers were able to move that ball up and down the field 
all game and keep it close. And it was a back-and-forth matchup in the fourth quarter. It was a fun game to watch, and I expect this one to be a fun one as well because these division matchups always mean so much more between both of these teams. So Trace is going to be taking the San Francisco 49ers. This is the week that I uh, am predicting the Seattle Seahawks to put an entire game together, both halves, not just the first half. They're going to get it figured out in the second half. Hopefully their defense steps up against the San Francisco offense. So, like I said, I'm taking Seattle to cover the two-and-a-half-point spread set by San Francisco. Let's get into our next matchup, the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Denver Broncos, where the Broncos are favored by one. Therese is taking the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos, mainly just because that it's in Denver, and I wonder how much the altitude affects the Baltimore Ravens, who are limited in terms of depth on their offense. I know Rashad Bateman's coming back. I don't know how much of a factor he's going to be uh, in his first game, his first NFL season, his first NFL game. We'll see. It's going to be interesting, but I do expect Sammy Watkins to be a factor for the Baltimore Ravens, he has plenty of experience playing the Denver Broncos, especially in Mile High. So this is going to be a – I don't know if it's going to be a fun game, but it's going to be one to definitely keep an eye on, especially with it only being a one-point spread. We know Denver's 3-0, but they've played literally the three worst teams in the NFL with the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Giants. So now they get a real matchup here against the Ravens. We'll see what Teddy Bridgewater looks like. And I'm expecting the Broncos, though, to step up and pick up another win. They're going to be 4-0, and then we're going to be forced to go, hey, let's put some respect on that Broncos defense and that Broncos offense and the Denver Broncos as a whole moving forward because they've got things figured out, and Baltimore's just a little limited. Let's get into our next matchup, the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Green Bay to face the Packers. The Packers are favored by 6.5 at home. We're both taking Green Bay. This Pittsburgh Steelers offense, it just team is being limited by Big Ben. He looked awful last week against Cincinnati, and I just expect them to keep dropping down in the league. I've already said multiple times that, hey, I expect this to be a team that's drafting in the top 10, not because they're bad, as like an entire team that there's no talent on it, but that because their quarterback is going to hold them and limit their ability to win football games. And I don't know if they have anyone that they can fall on that's going to be better than what they have in Big Ben. Because if it was Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, I feel like there would have been more talk about it in the offseason, and there would have been more reports from it in training camp where it's like, hey, this is kind of tough. Now, we know Mike Tomlin is a player's coach. We know him and Big Ben have been together for a while. But I don't know. Like, at some point, we got to realize, hey, this is a business, and we're losing football games, and you don't look good, man. In my opinion, they should have made Big Ben retire last year. They didn't. It's just a situation that it is right now. So we're both taking Green Bay. They look too good right now. The defense is firing all cylinders. I shouldn't say that because the way that San Francisco was battling in with them, but they don't look awful. In that offense, we know how dangerous they can be with Devontae Adams. You love to see it as a Packers fan. Next up, the highly touted matchup of this week, Sunday Night Football, baby. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady are going to Foxborough where he is going to face off against Bill Belichick, the new quarterback, Mac Jones, and the New England Patriots, where Tampa Bay is favored by, once again, an away team going on the road, favored by seven. That's three of them this week, ladies and gentlemen. That's Tennessee at the Jets, the Chiefs at Philadelphia, and the Buccaneers at New England, all favored by seven. We're both picking Tampa Bay here, okay? This game means so much more to Tom Brady in my mind than it does Bill Belichick because Belichick just goes, hey, my offense, like my team's just limited in terms of talent. You look at Tampa Bay, it is very easy to evaluate both of these rosters, offensive and defensively, and go, yup, Tampa Bay's got more talent all the way around. In terms of actual coaching, 
We'll, we'd love to pick. We'd love to pick Bell, Bill Belichick. Let me stutter my words there just a little bit more. My bad. But I just the way Tampa looked this last week playing the Los Angeles Rams, and the way the Patriots have just been struggling to move the ball down the field. No matter whose fault it is, a Mac Jones or just the limited of talent that he has to throw to in terms of receivers and offensive weapons. It's clear that it's just not there. So we're both picking Tampa. It's going to be a fun game. It might also just be a complete blowout. And we're all looking at it like, yep, Tom Brady once again gets the best of Bill Belichick. He already won a Super Bowl without him. And now he goes into Foxborough and picks up another big win. I just hope that he gets the the utmost respect um, and applaud and recognition that he deserves in Foxborough. I'm sure he will. But hopefully everyone else just lives up to that. And hopefully Bill Belichick and him can have a special moment too at half field pregame, during the game, after the game. It would just be really cool to see that um, during the atmosphere and just this entire evening because all eyes are going to be on it. Monday night, though. The Las Vegas Raiders are traveling to Los Angeles to face the Chargers where the Chargers are favored by three and a half. Trace and I were both picking the Chargers. They had a huge win last week, like I said earlier in this episode, against the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. They were able to take care of business. The Raiders, yes, they're 3-0. They've had some great wins. They've been in back-to-back overtime games. They've taken care, they've taken care of business. They're winning football games. They're, the Raiders are not raidering in terms of negativity anymore. They are handling what needs to be done, and they're winning football games, but I think it's going to be too much this week with Justin Herbert and that highly touted offense with Mike Williams leading the way and Keenan Allen and then Austin Eckler as well. It's just too much to handle for that Raiders defense. I'm expecting the Chargers to win by three and a half and a lot more than that. So this is going to be a fun game to watch on Monday night. That is for sure. Now let's go ahead and just back it up just a little bit to Sunday night for the Buccaneers and Patriots game. We're going to do our player prop bets. I got a little too excited there uh, for the Monday night game. I'm not going to lie. I'll be honest with you. So let's get into this. Tom Brady, he's set at 281 passing yards. Treese is going to take the over. I'm going to take the under because I don't think it's going to take that much for this offense to be putting points on the board. I'm also expecting this defense to have a huge game, and they're going to force Mac Jones into some turnovers. So, Trees is taking the over. I'm taking the under. We also have five differences here in the player prop bet. So, this is, once again, another opportunity uh, for me to take the lead here on the player prop bets. We'll see how it goes. Leonard Fournette at 56 rushing yards. We're both taking the over. Like I said, I think the 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 Buccaneers end up having a huge lead at some point. And so they're just going to pound the rock with Leonard Fournette and just let the game clock go. Chris Godwin is set at 72 receiving yards. Treese has taken the over. I'm going to take the under. Same reasoning. They're, they're not going to need that much from the offense to win this football game. Mac Jones at 295 passing yards. We're both taking the under. That is a lot. And uh, this defense is tough. That's going to be really difficult for him to do no matter what. So we're both taking the under. Damian Harris, a running back for the Patriots, set at 51 yards. Treese is taking the under. I'm taking the over. At some point, the Patriots know we got to get the running game going before anything else does. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to run the football and get it started. And Damian Harris has been known to have those explosive plays. So that is what I'm betting on for sure. Next up, Jacoby Myers, 71 receiving yards. We're both taking the over. Mac Jones has got to throw the football to somebody. So it's clearly going to be this kid here uh, on Sunday night, and it's going to be a fun one. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, though, Treese does have some fantasy football information that he wants to give and that he wanted me to share. I've already kind of tied uh, a little bit. I've sprinkled a little bit of it into the episode. But Treese, right here reading from the messages, he says, for DFS, I like to stack Dak with Cooper and Lamb and then run it back with Anderson or Marshall. 
And I asked him, hey, what does that mean by run it back? And this is his freaking response. He goes, oh, right. You don't know what it means to run it back because Chiefs don't know how to accomplish that. My bad. Hey, Trees, respectively, fuck off, man. But that was good. That was funny. I hope you're laughing at that because that was a really, <laughs> that was really good. But he goes, but really run it back in DFS means you choose a group of guys to do well. In this case, the Cowboys offense, and then you run it back, meaning choosing guys. Excuse me, I lost my place here reading. It's like I'm an old man all of a sudden. Meaning choosing guys you stack is playing to get a bunch of garbage yards and points trying to catch up. So in this case, the Carolina wide receivers. So like he said, Stack Dak with uh, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and then run it back with Robbie Anderson or Terrence Marshall. I already mentioned the Gasecki. He's about to take off in fantasy. Brissett has a history of targeting tight ends in Indy. Now being a starter with Miami, his target share is going to be absolutely massive. Trying to get a DFS team with Jefferson and OBJ is something I'm trying to do this week. There's a sneaky shootout that happens between the Browns and Vikings. Like I said, that is something um, that I mentioned earlier in the episode between those two teams. But in terms of DFS, he wants to get a team with Justin Jefferson and OBJ. That would be a fun one. Definitely try to do that if you can. He also says, keep an eye on the Giants wide receivers with Shepard and Slayton. They may miss this game. That means first-rounder Kadarius Toney might get his first real chance at making plays, and that is going to be the same thing with Evan Ingram. I'll be honest with my take on this. I'm done trying to trust Evan Ingram in one in just whatever way possible. The dude, he, I, I don't even want to go into it because, like I said earlier, the, the Giants are just dead. But they might have some hope at life with Kadarius Toney if he can have some type of a breakout game this week. Therese also says gut call. The Chiefs defense has a touchdown this week. I am completely on board with that because, like I said earlier, this game is just – it means so much more for Kansas City in terms of the players and what it means for Andy Reid as well to pick up win 100 with the organization in Philadelphia, the team that he was a coach for for so long. Another gut call from Justin Trees. Robert Woods breaks out of his funk this week against Arizona. I'm completely on board with that. That is going to be a fun game. And Arizona, they know they're going to need the game plan against Cooper Cup. And that just leaves someone else open. And that Mr. and that guy is Mr. Bobby Trees, Robert Woods. And then he also mentions go pick up JJ Taylor for a deep bench staff with James White out for the Patriots. He will take over the pass catching role in that offense for the running backs. So right there, those are the fantasy and DFS tips from Mr. Justin Trees. We appreciate him. He is Mr. Know-it-all in terms of fantasy. And I mean that in the sincerest way possible. Like I said, breaking down we're predicting here the spreads for week four. It's going to be a fun week. There's a lot of highly touted matchups. Can't wait. Like I mentioned before, though, eight differences in terms of the overall spreads, five differences in the player prop bets. It's going to be a fun week. I hope you guys enjoy it. Take care. Be safe. Thanks for listening. And today I have been talking football.